Welcome to Conversations on EU Pharma. I'm Adrian Vanenhoven, the Director General of Medicines for Europe, and I'm happy to participate in episode four of our podcast series. This one's devoted a second time to the topic of inflation and how this can affect the supply of your medicines. So there are a lot of factors affecting the demand for medicines today, such as a growing and aging population, but there are also a lot of cost factors, such as the increased cost of new innovative medicines and the chronic disease burden, which um, hospitals and healthcare systems need to take care of. And all of this is putting a lot of pressure on healthcare budgets across Europe. Therefore, almost every single European country applies a very strict price regulation when it comes to off-patent medicines, generic or biosimilar medicines. And the primary goal of these strict policies is to minimize health expenditure. Now, these strict pricing rules for generic medicines persistently decrease the price of medicines in the market over time and have been the real driver of market and industrial consolidation when it comes to the supply of medicines. Unfortunately, this situation has also been exacerbated by the COVID-19 crisis and the war in Ukraine, which have dramatically increased general inflation and inflation for manufacturers of medicines in particular. Consequently, the security of medicines for supply for patients is at risk. This shows that there's really a need for policy reforms to make sure that we put the security of medicines supply first. And to do this, we really need healthy competition with a lot of suppliers in the generic medicines market. Consequently, we need to discuss how to introduce reforms to generic pricing policies that are sustainable for healthcare systems so they can afford the medicines for the patients, of course. And secondly, so that they can incentivize the industry to invest into manufacturing and resilient supply chains. So to discuss this today, we have two experts. Victor Mendoza is the chair of the Generic Market Access Committee of Medicines for Europe and the head of corporate affairs at Viatris. And Clément François is the Executive Vice President, Pricing and Market Access at Creative Sudical. Victor, I'm going to start the podcast with a question to you. What is the role of generic medicines in affordability, sustainability, and accessibility of healthcare systems? Thank you, Adrian. Thank you for the question. And uh, thank you, Medicines for Europe, for uh, inviting me to speak uh, about this topic. As this topic is really the, the core of the mission uh, of the off-patent industry, uh, providing access to medicines, to affordable medicines, is really what drives this, these companies to be on the market, providing savings to the, to the healthcare systems. We estimate that these savings can be around 100 billion in Europe uh, per year. So around 60% of the price of the originator where we can bring savings. And these savings are important because one, in the countries where there are significant co-payments, this means that patients will need to pay less for their medicines. And they are important for payers and healthcare systems because they also mean savings. And these savings can be invested in access, for instance, to new originator uh, medicines with the, with the health gains that this could, could bring to patients and to the populations. And on this aspect about, uh, about access, 
Also, we've seen that by reducing the price of medicines, we also make them available to a wider population. So, so therapies that could be used in a second line to certain treatments, uh, mental disease, diabetes, cardiovascular disease, with lower prices, with more affordable prices, they can become a first-line treatment to many patients. And this dramatically improves the, uh, the standard of care and has a very positive contribution also to uh, to the life expectancy and to the overall health of the of the population and these two pillars combined the affordability and the access they also translate into the sustainability here the sustainability about healthcare systems in a way that with limited budgets that all countries have uh, for health can afford access to medicines and access to innovative medicines. And so I think these three elements, affordability, sustainability and access are really the core pillars of the industry and the generic medicines have been in the last years making very significant contributions for, uh, for all of them. Thank you, Victor. Glamo, I'm going to turn to you now. You led, together with Creative Suitical, a study on how to ensure a healthy and competitive generic medicines market in Europe. And in the first part of your study, you look at the impact of pricing policies for generic medicines on the availability of those medicines for patients. Can you summarize the key conclusions of that first part of the study? What are the challenges that you determined there? Yes, certainly, uh, Adrian. So indeed, so what we have been looking at is looking at a broad range of what are the existing either kind of a policy tool uh, like external reference pricing or more budget management tool like the clawback and uh, and payback. And what we have been looking and really looking broadly at all of this measure and what has been the impact on generic competition. So method, but basically external reference pricing is really one of the most widely used and it's certainly not proper to, to uh, ensure competitive pricing for off-patent uh, market. Internal reference prices, another classical tools that we have reviewed, is I mean, not as bad as uh, as the external reference uh, pricing, but it still lacks the flexibility that you will need and that after will be discussed for what, what you want in the new pricing model, because it will fail to adjust to market condition and it will not create incentive for having more diversity for the generic uh, market. And then, then you get almost getting done on what kind of not so good, even not worse methods that has been been used like um, mandatory rebate, discount, extraordinary contribution, clawback and payback. I mean, they are not bad and everybody can understand at some point on time they can be used. But I think really what we have seen in our studies that they really have been overused and they have really severely impact the economic viability and the sustainability of, of the supply. So uh, at kind of really the conclusion and looking at different um, methods has been that yeah, really three main uh, points, right? Really, they, all this pricing policy have really had kind of negative influence on the shape of the generic market. And and they really have resulted in market concentration. And as a consequence, uh, and, and that people see in the price, right? You see about the medicine, medicine shortage. And suddenly, um, especially right now, it's really not good that we, we're contributing to health inequality, right? So it's kind of one really have the first uh, issue. The second is really on the profitability level of generic uh, company, right? The restrictive generic policy, and especially one like the direct linkage 
percentage to the originator price really can drive the generic price downward to a non-profitable uh, level. And finally, uh, one important point that I really a bit touch upon is the lack of dynamic approach. And you really want to encourage uh, competition and all these methods, they, they do not because they apply kind of fixed uh, rules that are not tied to like the number of uh, generic medicine uh, present. So again, it's, we are, of course, everybody understands the need for tools and um, and they can be used, but it's more like also like the accumulation of kind of these tools, the reference pricing, the clawback, everything can can some kind of so many different layers that really have drive uh, down the sustainability of um, of the generic market. Thank you, Clément. So, Victor, you heard from Clément that it's really this accumulation of different price control so, measures, if you wish, being introduced in, in different European countries. Do you see that trend across all European countries as a, as a, lead, a company, as a leading supplier of, of generic medicines to patients? Do you see that kind of trend overall in Europe, or is it something that's only limited to one or two countries? This is not new, right? So we've seen that uh, for a long time, uh, uh, countries, payers, governments, they need to manage the healthcare uh, budgets. And in order to do that, of course, there are uh, measures, political measures that are introduced to control the expenditure on on healthcare systems and and also the expenditure of medicines. And this to a large extent uh, acceptable. However, we do live a different situation these days, right? It was already mentioned inflation and, and one of the key topics of this of this podcast, uh, living with, a, with an inflation around 10% in Europe. And this, of course, has an impact also on the medicines produce, producers and all the supply chain uh, uh, of medicines. And what doesn't work is living with such uh, measures to control budgets and restricting the price of medicines, and at the same time, this inflation pressure that increases the cost. I would also mention one one additional thing. During the, the last three years that we lived under, under uh, COVID and uh, all the healthcare systems were under a lot of pressure, uh, policymakers all around Europe and certainly in Brussels were very quick to identify the healthcare system as a, as a critical area for Europe, for European uh, people. Uh, it's something that that we value a lot in Europe, the, the, the systems, the healthcare systems that, that we have, and it's good that we treasure them. And, uh, and uh, of course, we understood also the limits of those healthcare systems that we have and the need to continue to invest to make them robust, to make them resilient including the, su- the supply of medicines. Uh, but now that we are, let's say, moving away from that COVID period, although still very much uh, present, but not in the same manner in the, in the last two years, that prioritization uh, that was uh, highly advertised from, from governments all across Europe is not translating into measures to incentivize the stable supply of medicines. And this is where I think we need to come together and have this debate about how do we cope with this unique situation where we need to make sure that the populations in Europe have access to medicines under a very intense inflation pressure all across Europe. Thank you, Victor. So, Clément, you and Victor have both identified some of the problems, some of the challenges with the current approach to generic medicines pricing policies in Europe today. The second party report also identifies solutions or alternative ways of shaping the market. Can you tell us about three of those um, alternatives? Uh, Describe how realistic it would be to implement them and what would be the benefits in terms of increased sustainability, availability of medicines? 
Yeah, certainly, Adrian. Indeed. So, um, kind of behind the scene, and I believe the, the report is available right on the medicines for Europe for kind of all the detail because we indeed look at many potential pricing model and we have worked collectively with medicine for Europe with experts to arrive to to this um, to this conclusion but indeed there are more like the 11 models that we review that we release three that stand out in terms of uh, applicability and effectiveness the first one is a tier pricing uh, model the second in the is a delinkage from the originator price and the last one is the automatic uh, indexation let's start with the um, tier pricing uh, model. I think this, um, I mean, essentially um, what we know is we want to encourage competition, right? So, and, and that's kind of one of the main benefits of the tier pricing system. And and we know it's feasible because it's already in place in Canada. And um, and they have indeed shown that in a recent study that uh, indeed it has increased uh, generic competition without affecting uh, the price. So we will believe on its um, effectiveness and applicability because we have some real example. But basically, the idea is quite simple, is that you will have different uh, reductions according to the number of generic entrants. So indeed, looking at uh, what has been put in uh, Canada, uh, you will have different tier. And for the tier one, uh, the generic will have um, 75% of the original of the originator price. Uh, when you have a second generic entrant, you will kind of decrease to 50% of the of the of the uh, originator price. And when you have three of more, then we go to 25%. Uh, so, right? so, so the advantage indeed is um, it gives you, it, give, it mimics competition, right? Because you have a, there is a, an incentive also like to be first because you, you get the, the higher um, price, but it also encourages the other one to, to join because you have then predictability and visibility on what is going to be uh, your price. So it really contributes to the stability of the generic uh, market. So ultimately, we believe it will improve patient access to uh, to medicine. Uh, we see in terms of, um, I mean, implementability, there's always up some potential uh, setback, but we don't believe they are kind of very important as ones that require a bit of infrastructure to monitor. And also, yeah, if we have too many kind of new competitors that may also deteriorate bit the pricing uh, condition at some point dropping off. But at least really give you this competition that runs, this predictability, and ultimately some some sustainability. So that was really the first uh, one and a very clear example from, from Canada on the feasibility. Now, the second um, one that we have been looking at is the delinkage from the originator price, right? So what we you need to know before we talk about delinkage is the linkage, right? And I believe um, over 15 countries in Europe currently require generic to be priced at a certain percentage lower than the originator price, right? So I believe like some many countries, it's required to be 50% 50 50 less than the originator. But again, regardless of the, of the kind of market condition, regardless of the disease, regardless of the number of generic entry. So the idea then is quite simple, is you want to have this delinquent, right? You want to kind of break this, uh, this thing and then you have like different uh, methods that are it's from kind of complete delinquage of partial uh, delinquage. But again, fairly simple uh, idea. Uh, we know this kind of linkage, uh, as we have done, as we have shown in our first part of the study, has not really produced a very good result for the sustainability of the market. So again, if we introduce the delinquage, what you will get is again, it will not be conditioned by the original price strategy, right? So again, does not allow the original manufacturer to play with the price, kind of to drive competition uh, down and potentially after raise the price again again a bit like as a first method it would facilitate um, stability and predictability 
And again, this is what we want. What we want, this is what we said. We want more dynamic uh, method. And again, since we again incentivize market uh, entry, especially for complex products with, with which have a higher cost of production. In terms of drawback, yes, because of the delinquent, you want to maybe to limit that to countries that have high generic market volume and multiple generic uh, manufacturer. I think uh, a good idea uh, and, and an idea we believe will also uh, does not require a lot of uh, complication to to implement and certainly will help again on this stability. Finally, the last one also is indeed, I mean, the topic is inflation, right? So we don't believe this method is uh, also like a, a sustainable long-term method, but the idea would be like you would have a, an automatic indexation, right? So indeed, and so you want to relate as a cost of the medicine to, for example, consumer price index or producer price index, right? So as the idea is indeed, if you want sustainability and we, we see price, some price increase by 20 or more percent, so it's not sustainable if on the other hand, you, you, you're facing price reductions, well known and validated in index. But again, of course, same that we were kind of complaining about like uh, overuse of clawback and payback. It is also something that uh, is more linked to the kind of crisis situation, but it kind of nicely complements the two other pricing model uh, that uh, we have discussed, starting uh, with automatic indexation and then start to implement the other methods. We, we believe we really give the generic markets uh, the sustainability uh, that it needs to um, ensure that patients have affordable access to medicine. So if I want to summarize a little bit the three models, you can say that you're trying to encourage countries in Europe to go from a static, rigid formula for uh, pricing, which sets a kind of a low cap price, to something that uh, stimulates dynamic competition, so entry of, of new competitors into the market when there are too few, and also adjustments on the cost side when supply inputs or cost of goods, if you wish, cost of logistics are on the rise like we're witnessing right now with, with, uh, with inflation. So, Victor, let me turn to you now. Uh, Clément, he was referring to a, a short-term measure that uh, would be necessary for the current high inflation environment we're operating in today, but also more medium-term, I would say, sustainability measures to encourage a, a dynamic market where, where more competitors would come to the market. And we know that there's a lot of consolidation in the supply of, of generic medicines today, so that would be a healthy boost for sure. But how realistic, how practical is this to achieve in Europe for your company and for the industry as a whole? Well, I think it's it's up to the to the governments, to the regulators, to the payers to implement the solutions that will work in each country. And uh, we know that in in Europe, each country has a has a different system or slightly different system. And up to now, what we've seen is that the pricing and not only pricing, I think we can also include here procurement, uh, the pricing and procurement mechanisms for off patent medicines, which is significantly different from originators uh, uh, medicines in a monopolistic uh, situation was always designed to lead to the lowest price level possible. Don't take me wrong because competition and getting to the lowest price is really in the DNA of all the companies that operate in the in the off-patent sector. So we do welcome competition and we do strive to offer the medicines at the lowest price possible. But uh, when the rules and the regulations in the countries go beyond what is the normal and sustainable competition and implement additional uh, uh, pressure on the price, like clawback mechanisms or external reference price or price cuts, this is not the, the competition working anymore. It's already the imposition of additional economic burden that many companies cannot 
cannot sustain. And again, going back to the to the topic inflation of inflation, it's even more difficult to 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 sustain and to accommodate these measures in an inflationary environment, right? And and uh, we know that, for instance, industrial uh, producer prices in Europe have increased by more than 25%, right? So if the prices of everything around us, from shipping, which is essential for us to to transport our our medicines, to the excipients, uh, the the active substances, the transportation costs, the warehouse costs, certainly the electricity. If all these costs are increasing for all industries all across Europe, and we as an industry are one of the few, maybe even the only industry in Europe that is not able to adjust the prices of inflation, this generates an unsustainable, uh, economically unviable situation for many of the products that we put on the market. So indeed, we need shorter measures. I think we are in a in a critical stage of uh, this inflation period where we do need governments to uh, implement these shorter measures and indexation to inflation can be one of them. When we think more about the medium term and, and Clement also mentioned some, some possible solutions there, I think uh, you mentioned, Adrian, the, the dynamic situation, which is critical. Uh, we, we operate in very rigid models and the rigid models can operate and they have been operating for a long period of time. But when they are faced with situations such as the one that we are living, they might not work. So we need to think about models that are dynamic and have the capacity to adjust to different market situations. And not only inflation, it can be for uh, medicines that are expensive to produce and do not fit in the current models. Or we can think about issues like antibiotics, where there is a high concentration of the producers or other medicines where there is a very limited competition and we need other incentives for uh, market authorization holders, manufacturers to continue to put the products on the market. And really here it's about aligning the incentives. And patients, of course, they want to get their medicines, they want to have access to medicines. The regulators, the governments, they want to make sure that patients also get their medicines at an affordable price and the companies we want to supply, we want to sell, and we want uh, 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 to make sure that the patient also gets their medicine. So there is a common understanding and there are common objectives. And if we are able to align these incentives into price and procurement systems where we can provide savings to governments, and I've mentioned, we, we provide around 100 billion in savings each year. We are critical for the system from this perspective. So we can do that, but at the same time, we need to guarantee healthy competition. We need to guarantee stable supply of medicines and the price and reimbursement systems, the procurement systems should be the political tools to guarantee that this takes place on a regular basis, on a continuous basis. Thank you very much. As you know, both of you know uh, today, the European Union is playing a bigger role in the security of supply of medicines. This kind of flows from the COVID crisis, but you see the EU taking a bigger and bigger role in this space. But we haven't seen the EU talk much about this need to adjust uh, medicines markets for essential medicines like generics. Do you see any role, any room for the EU to nudge the, the countries, the EU countries to do this better? 
So, Adrian, I think that the, the, the European Commission and Europe has taken very, really decisive, positive role in managing the COVID situation and, and working also with medicines for Europe to manage this crisis. And, and the, the, the leadership of the European Commission was really positive and at the end delivered a lot of value to, to patients and saving uh, many, many lives across Europe, not only by providing uh, vaccines, but also helping to provide uh, medicines for uh, uh, ICUs, for the intensive care units, and guaranteeing the supply, even with, with uh, measures that are not part of the regulatory system, extraordinary measures on the regulatory flexibility, allowing companies to move uh, medicines from one market to the other. So that leadership really delivered a lot of results. So definitely the European Commission has the knowledge, has the competencies, and has the leadership to do that and to align countries in some solutions uh, that can provide a stable supply of medicines. I guess that it's up to each country then to implement what works in a specific environment at the country level, but coordinating that effort, debating ideas, coming to solutions and about the needs, I think it's very much within the scope of the European Commission. And I hope that the pharmaceutical legislation that is now close to being published also points in that direction and offers solutions to everyone in Europe, all the stakeholders. Okay, thank you very much, and thank you for this great discussion. Thank you, Adrian.